This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Good morning, Bucknoters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, July 19th, 2023. I am Dave Biddle. Very happy to be joined by Matt Baxendale. We're going to do a deep dive on the Buckeyes offense, what to expect from the Buckeyes offense this season. I talked about uh, the Buckeyes defense on Monday's show. Bax and I are going to break down what to expect from the 2023 offense. Let's start at the top with quarterback um, Kyle McCord, presuming he is the guy. What do you expect out of him if Devin Brown needs to go in there, either because he beats out McCord, McCord's ineffective, or because McCord gets hurt. What do you expect out of Devin Brown? But first and foremost, presuming McCord is a starter, what do you expect out of him, Bax? Well, uh, I certainly hope that we're not sitting here having a quarterback battle in late August, uh, at least not a legitimate one. I can see Ryan Day dragging this thing out to officially announce McCord as the guy, but I certainly hope at this point, after what we saw in the spring, that McCord's at the point where he's taken the job. Uh, otherwise, that's a bit concerning to me. Um, now, I think realistically speaking, I think we can expect McCord to have a nice season. Um, by nice season, do I mean as good as Stroud, Haskins, and Fields have been? I would say that that's not unreasonable based on the fact that Ryan Day has been plug and play in three very different stylistic quarterbacks over the course of his career. If McCord is anywhere as good as Ryan Day thought he was in recruiting and clearly would be to give him the keys to the car on offense – then we have to expect that this guy is able to throw the football with accuracy. He's able to move around in the pocket. He's able to command the huddle. So at my expectation level in Kyle McCord is that he's going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the country because that's what this offense typically produces. That's what Ryan Day recruits. The first time that we have a bad quarterback under Ryan Day will be the, the, the next season we don't have a good quarterback. I mean, let's be real here. The, the worst performance that Day has had since he came to OSU was the last year that he had JT Barrett. And even then you saw Haskins come off the bench and beat Michigan. So I genuinely think Kyle McCord's coming into the season is going to end up being one of the statistically best quarterbacks in the country. And I think he's going to be in position to have a, a ton of success with the wide receiver core he has. So, you know, right now, I don't think we can have expectations anything less than sky high for McCord. If Brown has to play for whatever reason, and I agree with you, hopefully just McCord seizes the job and just runs with it. Um, I think that's the best case scenario. I think that's the most likely scenario by far. Mm -hmm. What? But it's so hard to – I mean, we saw Brown during spring, like during a few scrimmages, but he didn't get to play in the spring game. So it's not like he missed all of spring. In fact, he played most of spring. Um, mm -hmm. 
the little you've seen of Brown, what would you expect out of him? I think we'd have a little more running from the quarterback than we would in McCord's case. I think Brown's a little more mobile. Um, I also think we'd have a lot more hilarity because he's wearing 33 and a quarterback wearing 33 is just funny to me. Uh, I won't I won't get over that one anytime soon. Be like James Laurinaitis taking every snap in my head. <laughs> um, but that aside, um, I, 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 here's the reality with Brown. He was a really highly rated recruit. What is he like the 50th or 60th player in the country? I mean, he was a he was a big recruit. We just he's another one of these ones where we kind of stumbled on him down the stretch whenever we had some changes in our quarterback room situation. So I don't necessarily think that he is going to be, you know, a problem if he goes in, but I don't think he's going to be as ready as McCord with that extra year in the offense. Um, I do think, though, that we'd see much more of a quarterback who's going to try to, who would be a little more mobile with the football. Um, but I think we'd be a little more ground reliant because I don't think that I trust Brown as much from what I've seen so far to really have the keys to a major successful passing attack. But I still think he would, I'm not saying he'd be Braxton Miller, but I don't think, I think he'd be much more along the lines of, uh, uh, you know, a Justin Fields or maybe those legs get you a little bit more and he'd be a little less along the lines of probably Dwayne Haskins, which is your best comparison for McCord in my book. Let's take a look at the running backs next. Uh, it's such an interesting group. Um, if Evan Pryor um, can come back healthy from his knee injury, torn patellar tendon, I mean, they have five viable tailbacks. I mean, guy, any one of these guys yeah. could get the job done. You can envision it. Um, Travion Henderson, Mayan Williams, Dallin Hayden, Chip Traynham, and the aforementioned Evan Pryor. What do you expect out of this group this year? Yeah, this group's so deep. I mean, you know, Dallin Hayden would be starting at a lot of Big Ten schools. Uh, as a true sophomore coming off of freshman year, we had multiple 100-yard games. I mean, this this kid's turned out to be – we were high on him, especially you and I were high on him coming out of high school, right? We all looked at him and said, you know, we think he's probably a little bit better than his recruiting rating than we saw it last year. I mean, the guy averaged five yards a carry versus Georgia. He just didn't get a lot of opportunities in that game to run the football. So – you know, I, I have a lot of faith in this running back room. Um, the bigger question is going to be, how do you split the carries? Because that's going to be the biggest question. Um, you know, and the other thing that we're going to have to really ask ourselves at this point is with three new offensive linemen, they're going to be a major part of whether these guys are able to get loose and rock and roll. So, you know, I, I, I my, my thought process is, is pretty simple. Henderson's your home run hitter. He's your highest end talent, but he has twinkle toes in the hole. So that's going to be the big question is whether he can decisively make a move and go with the ball because we've seen him entirely too much try to – it's not even like a Le'Veon bellhop. He gets in the hole and then he literally like starts doing the quick feet drill. So he has to stop doing that. Um, Mayan Williams is a pure downhill bowling ball. who's going to run people over. Um, I still think he's really good. I mean, if the guy can stay healthy, he's your best all-around runner, whereas Henderson has a little more home run potential. Um, Evan Pryor being healthy. I, I, I said this whenever we recruited him. I think people are overlooking a little bit. This is a guy who was a top five all-purpose back in the country coming out of high school. The year we landed him and Henderson was the best um, pair of running backs that have ever came to OSU in the same season. And Pryor is a guy that has a ton of, of, of just juke in him right he just he can move quickly whenever you see his video he has great hands catching the ball out of the backfield he brings a totally different element um you know a lot of times you go four wide i could see him catch the ball out of the backfield um and run him downhill with it all day because there's nobody on him he beats one guy and he can pick up 20 yards uh and then you got hayden who is you know very much in the school of uh of williams where it's just downhill he hits a hole and he goes he looks like a great natural runner 
And then you've got Trainum, who we're, we're all sort of overlooking, but this is a guy who scored, what, 10 touchdowns at Arizona State? Uh, you know, he had a couple nice runs against Michigan last year. Uh, at the end of the day, Dave, if these guys are healthy, you're going to have almost too many mouths to feed in the backfield. Um, but I think these guys are also going to be a little dependent on, are we going to be able to make sure those holes open up for them with the, the offensive line with three new starters? Let's get to that. Let's get to that. That I think I buried the lead here. Let's get to the offensive line. Certainly the biggest question on the team, in my opinion. I'm not going too far out on a limb there um, by saying that. What do you expect out of the O-line this year, Bax? Yeah, that's the biggest question on this side of the football, right? Because we're looking at it going, well, can our five-star quarterback and our five-star running back have a decent year this year, right? Okay, sure. Yeah, I feel like there's a – there's a little bit of confidence on that end. On the offensive line, we saw Ohio State have to go into the transfer portal because they were so concerned about the tackle play. And, you know, ever since we've landed Simmons from San Diego State, you've heard the coaches like, oh, well, you know, Tegra Shabola is a special player. And they're doing all this, like, pat these guys on the back. Zen Mahalski had a great spring, right? But at the end of the day, he, he's coming here to start. Like, let's be real here. I expect him to be the starting right tackle. Um, you know, luckily both guards are back. Both guards had nice seasons last year and they're going to be solid players again this year. That's going to help. Carson Hensman appeared to grab center, um, a bit of a bulls by the horn during spring football to me. And that's something you and I talked about before spring saying, we hope that happens. We're bringing in another transfer guy from a lower end school who's capable of bouncing around, but in a perfect world, he's the backup and Carson Hensman takes the starting role. I think that's happened. And, I love Hintzman because he's one of those rare, highly rated offensive linemen from Wisconsin that Ohio State took from Wisconsin. So you know he's going to be a player. That's just that's just that, that if you look at the track record here, pulling guys that names like Hintzman out of Wisconsin or Iowa always turn out to be like a third round pick who plays nine years in the NFL. So when OSU won that recruiting battle, I was like, okay, that's a good sign for us. <laughs> but at the end of the day, in the spring, he he was great. He had, he had a great spring. I thought there's a lot of confidence to be had with him. The interior line, to me, isn't as big of a concern right now. And then I think at left tackle, Josh Fryer is going to be more than capable. I mean, we saw him last year a couple games play. He did a good job. Um, and at, at the end of the day, we're watching that other tackle spot right now. And, you know, that's the big question. Can you keep your quarterback upright? And how do these guys gel when it comes to opening holes for the running game? Good news is, is we don't play a real serious major opponent till game four against Notre Dame. So they're going to have a little bit of time to break in, but I think the O-line right now has a lot to prove. And, you know, I'm optimistic. Um, I think Justin Fry knows what he's doing when he's coaching these O-linemen. There's obviously a ton of talent with these guys on this line too, but at the end of the day, you know, that's the biggest question mark. And that's the spotlight. I can tell you against Indiana, I'm going to be watching the line of scrimmage. I always watch the line of scrimmage, Dave. I don't know about you. Whenever the ball snaps, I watch the line of scrimmage and then whenever the ball goes somewhere, my eyes change, but like I watch the line, I watch the push. I watch, that's how I watch football is I watch the line of scrimmage. I don't watch the quarterback stand there and go, Ooh, what's he doing? Right. I watch how the line protects him. I watch what, you know, what, whether the, the blocking, what they're doing in the, in the scheme, when we're on the other side of the football, I watch our D linemen to see if they get penetration. Right. I'm not watching the rest of it. And so, to me, that's what I'm going to be watching closely. The first couple games is, you know, what exactly are these are these O linemen doing? I mean, we're starting with Indiana and Western Kentucky and Youngstown State. I mean, 
Ohio State better run those guys over. If there's a third and one, they better get two yards plus. And if they don't, I expect Ryan Day to send them right back out, Urban Meyer style, and say, get it. And that's what one of the things we're going to need to see from the O-line is, is whether they choose to actually build up some of that nasty. So that's the biggest question mark. We, we've got a lot to, to prove this year on that line, especially after the last couple of years where the running game hasn't maybe been where it needed to be in terms of getting key yards. Very well said. And I, I do have faith in Justin Fry. I think they're going to figure it out, but I, I still I need to see it. It's just the biggest concern on the team for me. Um, I'm going to get to this real quick. We're going to go back to running backs just for a second. Doug on YouTube is pushing back on the idea a little bit that he said, did Travion dance around as a freshman? No. So maybe it was because of the broken foot, basically. Um, I don't I mean, do you agree with that? Do you I remember Travion not having maybe the best vision as a freshman. They even talked about going in, in the last year. They were like, he needs to mm-hmm. for the injury. Take what you can get. Don't try and hit the home run every play. So yeah. I think he was doing a little bit of the tippy toes as a freshman. I, he was absolutely. I, was very, I, I, sorry, Doug. You go back and watch the video, buddy. That's that's uh, that's an incorrect assertion there. The number one concern we had about Trey last year wasn't that he was hurt. The number one concern we had was is that he wanted every carry to be a 65-yard touchdown. So whenever he had eight, nine yards ahead of him, he would at times try to bounce it to the outside instead of run between the tackle and guard. This is a, this is a, a constant conversation about Trey Henderson. Not to interrupt you, Dave, but this isn't new. But that's an incorrect assertion. Go back and watch him. Freshman year, he had multiple times where it was like, just take the hole that's wide open, go right through, buddy. You know, and that hasn't gotten any better with him. The injury at this point was, you know, that slowed him down at times. But Trey needs to know that, like, hey, you don't have to try. He's like the guy, you know what he reminded me of at, time, at so far in his career in a lot of ways? is like whenever you played the old NCAA video games and you had the running back that had like a 98 in speed, and you're like, if I can just get him outside, he's gone. And that's <laughs> Trey every time he gets the ball. He's like, I'm going to bounce it outside this time. I think there's room. No, just take the hole. Just take the hole and run a guy over and get nine yards. That's okay. Right? That's the issue with Trey is Trey is either a giant hitter or a one-yard game. And he was doing this as a freshman, too. So that's an incorrect assertion. Go back and watch the video. Yeah, and I really like Trey. If he can stay healthy this year, I've said yeah, I think. Yeah, I like Henderson. I agree yeah, with you, Dave. Do. We both do. Yeah. We're just- but it's, 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 it, 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 it's like when we talked about – um, oh, gosh. Uh, now I'm forgetting his name. It was the running back who went to play – went to the Steelers as an undrafted free agent a year or two ago. Um, I forget why his name State? Yeah, um, Master Teague. We loved Master Teague, but he had no vision either. Master Teague would either run into the back of the guard in front of him, or if there was a hole, Master Teague would hit it, right? Master Teague was the exact opposite of Trey Henderson, right? Where Trey's always trying to bounce the big one, where Master Teague would just run straight ahead and there was no vision, right? Where Trey almost has maybe too much vision and just needs to take what's given to him, right? So those are two very different kind of situations where the running backs maybe weren't as effective as they could have been, right? Um, but Master Teague was just a me have ball, me run through hole straight ahead, or if there's none, he would run his lineman over, right? Henderson has that ability to, to recognize and bounce, but his problem is is that he's almost too greedy with the ball. He wants to be a home run every time. That's why we talk about we say Henderson and then the first five words out of your mouth is home run, right? So he has to learn to know to be a, a, a true all around running back. Whenever there's five, six, seven, eight yards, take it, you know. <laughs> And backs, these are things that you and I are talking about that you know, we're basically parroting what Ryan Day and Tony Alford have said about mm-hmm. this situation. So 
Um, so yeah, I think um, they, you know, we like Trey, they like Trey, but I think that's the the one way he can get better. We're not, again, we're not talking about just last year. I mean, we know that he was dealing with the broken foot now. We didn't at the time, but even his freshman year, um, they talked about that. So um, all right, let's move on. Let's talk about the tight ends. And we're going to end with this embarrassment of riches at wide receiver um, tight end. I'm thrilled. I know you are too. Kate Stover's back for a fifth year, mm-hmm. inconsistent catching the ball a little bit last year, but I think, now I think he's, you know, I think he's going to shore that up, and I think he's going to be a big weapon. I think he's going to improve as a blocker. I mean, he obviously has the toughness and the will to be a a, a good blocker. Missed a couple of blocks last year, but I think this year he's going to going to turn into an all around really good tight end. I think Joe Royer is going to step up as that number two. G Scott Jr. keeps coming along, and if they need a young buck, they got Jelani Thurman. They got a couple other guys that are young. Redshirt freshman Bennett Christian. Um, they got Sam Hart. They got six scholarship mm-hmm. tight ends. Um, Obviously, it starts with Cade, and I think Joe Royer had a really good spring and is on the rise. Um, what do you expect out of the tight ends? Well, last year was the first year that we had uh, actual tight end production since the days of Ben Hartsock, so that was a beautiful thing to see. Uh, you know, how, I mean, this this is literally a two-decade running joke until last year. This is the year the tight ends are going to catch 30 passes. Never happened, ever. And then Cade finally got there. Like, he was right in that ballpark, and we're like, okay. I thought Kate Stover had a fantastic year, fantastic year. And I I think that you can't expect anything less from him. I mean, the reality is I wish he had been healthy against Georgia and he hadn't had the issue that he did because, you know, that would have also really changed the way Ohio State was maybe able to run the ball because his ability to seal that corner and be an extra blocker was a big part for Ohio State. So I hope these younger tight ends are able to step up in that role more than anything else. You know, when you look at tight ends today, um, a lot of times they're just big receiver kind of guys and they have to learn how to really block. And, you know, when they're blocking in high school, they're six foot four and they're running kids over and it's different than running into grown ass men on college defenses. So, um, you know, I think Joe Royer is the closest right now. Uh, but you know, this is a whole, what was the last time we had six scholarship tight ends on the roster? I don't know. Like, they had six scholarship corners last year. Now we got six scholarship tight. At least we got eight scholarship corners now. So I'm happy yeah, with that. Yeah, that's we started with scholarship corners last year. But. Quality is good too at corner too. So I love I love the corners. Love the safety. Yeah. Love the linebackers and I love the defensive line. I know we were going to talk offense, but I wanted to reiterate that. I talked about that on Monday show. I was like, you guys are going to notice a recurring theme. I really really like this defense. But yeah, I mean, I agree with you. This tight end group, um, deep, talented. Bring in a guy like Jelani Thurman. And he said, I'm like, how much did Cade, what Cade did last year, um, affect your recruitment? He's like, it definitely helped. I mean, I mean yeah. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I bet. So that just shows you. I mean, for the first time, as you mentioned, since 2003, they finally had, they finally did. As you said, we go into every year. Is this going to be the year there's a guy gets 30 catches? And we thought it'd be the previous year with Jeremy Ruckert. No one thought it was going to be Cade Stover, and he's the one that finally does it. And look what it leads to, Jelani Thurman coming in. And, you know what's uh, funny, Dave? We've had a ton of NFL tight ends in that time period. Like true. it's not like like Nick Finette and Jeff Hireman were on the same damn team. They were both third round picks. Like they were good players. OSU just didn't use the tight end. Jeremy Ruckert was a yeah, Luke Farrell, yeah. Jeremy Rucker. Like you went, pick, Rucker, third round pick. Yes. These are like good oh. players. These are guys that went to the show. I mean, I think Nick Vinette's still in the league or he just retired last year or something. You know, like Ohio State produces NFL level tight ends. That's not a, a, a thing. But the problem was is they didn't use them in college. So a lot of times recruiting these big time guys to land a guy like a Rucker, it was a bit of leap of, of faith on their part. Um, 
that that's just the reality and seeing it finally seeing it opens up to the ability to land a guy like a Thurman. I mean, Thurman in, in the past, you know, I'm going to play alternate universe here where Kate Stover has eight catches, right. And uh, has a, a normal OSU tight end season. You think that you'd have to uh, essentially say maybe Georgia, when they were trying to flip him, had a little bit more of an argument to it. Right. But they didn't this year. They didn't because Ohio State actually used the tight end. And the guy's like, well, why wouldn't I go do that? That looks awesome, right? I already like everything about it, and I'm seeing it happen, right? And it's not like, all right, let's show more pictures of Ben Hartsock catching touchdowns from Craig Krenzel. Like, let's, it's actually this year. It's it's in HD. So, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a ball game changer for Ohio State. But, you know, the reality is, Dave, what, look at all the weapons we have, right? We have six tight ends too here. Like I, I can't see more than two or three of them playing anything resembling consistently. So right. there's a lot of um, mouths to feed on this offense. There's a lot of talent on this offense. And by the way, we haven't even mentioned the wide receivers, which I think all we have to say is it's the best wide receiver room in the country by a country mile. And that's it. Yeah. Let's get into a little bit about them. Yeah. I mean, for sure. And we, that's, it's unbelievable. All the great wide receiving cores that have come through here recently. And this might be the best one. Um, mm-hmm. we still have a little bit of Jackson Smith and Jigba post-traumatic stress, uh, disorder, you know, hopefully Marvin can stay healthy. Hopefully Mecca can stay healthy and if they can, oh my God, this is going to be so much fun to watch because we might look back on Omeka and Marvin, um, Marvin and Omeka really should go in that order, um, as the best tandem, uh, one year tandem wide receivers that we've seen come through Ohio state. And I don't see that lightly. And then backs Julian Fleming coming back for his fourth year, just the former number one wide receiver in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, Who hasn't been healthy yet. At Jayden all, Ballard, right? Jaden Ballard can take the top off the of defense. Maybe he's going to come into his own as a third-year guy. A lot of buzz about him. Tons of speed. You got the Swiss Army knife and Xavier Johnson. You've got this incredible freshman class. Carnell Tate, RIP to his mom. That's just yeah, such that's terrible. I talked about that oh. on Monday show. Just uh prayers to his family. That's it's so sad. Carnell Tate, Noah Rogers, Bryson Rogers, um, Brandon Ennis, and you got a couple of second-year guys and Keon Gray's and Kojo Antwi. Um, my gosh, what a group. It's an insane room of talent. It's just an absolutely insane room of talent. And, you know, right now for the purposes of this upcoming season, we're essentially, in my mind, it breaks down as you have the two super elite guys in Harrison and Ibuka. They were 1,000-yard guys last year. They're going to be again this year in all likelihood. Um, then you have Fleming. And if Fleming is finally able to get through all the injury issues, it is sort of dogged his whole career at Ohio State. He could be the best number three wide receiver in the country. Then you got Jaden Ballard, who also in theory could be the best number three wide receiver in the country. And then you know one of these young guys is going to end up um, working their way onto the field. There's too much talent. There's always a young guy. We don't know which one it's going to be yet, but there's always a young guy. When you look at the recent history of Ohio State wide receivers, who forces his way on the field? I mean, look at all these different classes we've had back to the year where you had Ted Ginn and Anthony Gonzalez and Roy Hall, you know, who was forcing his way in the field as a true sophomore was Brian Hartline, right? It just, it, it, this is always what happens when you have a deep wide receiver room at Ohio state. Uh, you know, Jackson Smith and Jigba forced his way in the field and you had Olave and Wilson ahead of him. I mean, like this is how this goes. So I, I don't honestly know as long as McCord has time to throw the football, I don't know who's going to really slow down this passing game. Uh, you know, we, we've seen 
Ryan Day essentially had the air raid offense for all offenses here at Ohio State since he came in. I mean, Ohio State's been, the high, well, if, I think, cumulatively the highest scoring team in the country since he took over. The wide receiver room at Ohio State right now is absolutely mind-bogglingly good. Marvin Harrison will be the number one receiver pick next year in the NFL draft. He might have been this year um, had he been eligible. And by might have, I'm like, he's probably a top five pick this year had he been eligible. That's what, And that's not me like being hyperbolic here. That's like what NFL draft scouts have been, were saying about him. It's like, too bad that kid's not eligible, right? It was the most talk about a, a guy the next year, Dave, since Clowney. I mean, like, remember the year where Clowney, like, was he going to take the year off or not? Like, that was the big debate because they're like, what does he have to prove? Marv is in that range right now at Ohio State. So, shh, no taking years off. <laughs> no, Marv, he, he never would do that. I love the kid. No. I mean, he's He's going to be going to Big Ten Media Days, which all of Ohio State stuff is exactly a week from today. Like right now in Indy or a week from today at this exact time, we're going to be in Indy for Big Ten Media Days. All of Ohio State stuff is a week from today, and then the other seven teams will go Thursday. So Ohio State and six other teams kick it off next Wednesday. Cannot wait for that. Um, great stuff from Bax. Again, if uh, you're watching on YouTube, you like the show, please subscribe. Uh, helps us out a lot. Uh, if you're watching on other platforms, if you can give a five-star review, Wherever you're uh, listening, Apple Podcasts or whatever, that also helps. Thanks very much to all of you for joining us. Thanks again to Bax. Hope everyone has a great rest of your day. Go Bucks. It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day, in the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount Plus.